So when I was coming back from vacation and the last couple days of that was in Central Valley, Visalia, where my family lives, I made a point of stopping by this local strawberry farm and I picked up some fresh picked strawberries. It was just so delightful. I brought such a big old bunch of them that I gave some to my neighbors as a thank you for taking my mail and watering my plants while I was gone. Isn't that one of the best parts about the summer? Is the fruit. It's just so delightful. And it makes me wonder, I know for myself, I know my favorite fruit. You know, you probably have one or two. Um, when I was in Grand Junction, which is where I went on my vacation, they are actually famous for their peaches. But no, May is not peach season, so it was a little frustrating to be in Grand Junction, which is famous for peaches, and that truly is my favorite fruit. Though on the other hand, I would say that tomatoes, but you might say tomatoes aren't a fruit. Yeah, did you know that actually went to the Supreme Court? <laughs> Are tomatoes a fruit or a vegetable? In 19, or 1893, the Supreme Court decided to support the Tariff Act of 1883 that tomatoes are vegetables. No, they're not, though. They actually are a fruit because they have seeds in them and they come from the ovary. And it really is interesting when you start looking at the literal definition of fruits and vegetables. But cooks and scientists disagree on these things. So why does it matter? Why am I talking about fruit? It's not just because it's summer. It's because this metaphor is a very powerful and consistent metaphor in Scripture for our relationship with God and how our relationship with God is going. In Isaiah, uh, Israel is talked about as a vineyard, God's beloved vineyard that God planted and tended and took care of and was looking for good fruit, but Israel was producing bad fruit. So it was really a way of getting at what's going on with our relationship with God and how is it going. And that still continues in the New Testament Jesus, in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, really leans into that metaphor. The metaphor of the vine and the fruit and abiding in him. And so does Paul. In this letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia, really concerned about their connection, how things were going in their relationship with God. It's easy for us to get things turned around, for us to get off track, for us to get things backward, think that we are producing the fruit instead of God forming this fruit in us and really tending that relationship. So I think two weeks after Pentecost for us, with this amazing liturgical art that we have here, we see this pouring out of God's spirit in the visuals that you have in front of you. It's good for us to be hearing from Paul who's reminding them that it is Jesus who is forming this good fruit in you. It's not your performance. It's not your high achieving, which he calls the flesh, leaning into our performance. So we're just going to hear a few verses at the very end of this letter to the Galatians. Galatians 5, verses 22 to 26. Paul has just made a list of all those things that indicate a relationship with God not going well. And then he writes, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the gift of God's Word. Thanks be to God. Some of you may be familiar with that list, the fruits of the Spirit, the nine fruits that I mentioned earlier in worship, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control. And those of you that go into our education wing and are in our Sunday school rooms, whether to teach or for a meeting, you might notice that these nine fruits of the Spirit are up on the wall. They've been up there for several years. And so there's something about this list that is important to have in front of us. Why is it important? these nine fruits of the Spirit. And I want to explore with you four ways that this list of the fruits of the Spirit actually is helpful to us. And the first way is our identity. Jesus said in Matthew 12, you will know them by their fruit. Some people have moved into a new home and they've noticed that they have fruit trees, but they're not sure what kind of fruit trees, and for whatever reason, the person who sold the home to them does not know either, is not telling. And they can tell by when the fruit finally comes out. The evidence of the nature of the tree is seen in the fruit. Seeing this fruit, this list that we just saw and that we've heard in this scripture, it identifies the Spirit of Jesus at work. I have a friend who was talking to me recently. She and her, now her husband is going with her to a new church. Her husband, who describes himself as an unbeliever. But this church that she's going to is multiracial. That's been very attractive to him. And as they've been going to this new church, they who have a son who is gay, they have discovered that they've been able to be a support and encouragement to others who are struggling with that in their family. And so this, the husband, the unbelieving husband, has gotten very involved in ministry. And then on Pentecost Sunday, when everybody was dancing around and they had banners and streamers and it was kind of a wild service and one of the African-American grandmothers came over and gave him a banner and he got up and he started dancing around the sanctuary, she said, this is my unbelieving husband. And yet the fruit speaks otherwise, doesn't it? Sometimes the fruit speaks before the mind catches up. So this fruit is helpful to identify where the spirit of Jesus is at work. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control. That's one way that this list is helpful for us. Another way is that it helps us know our purpose. In John 15, Jesus said, I chose you to bear fruit that will last. It's what Jesus intends for us to produce these nine fruits of the Spirit. When we think about God's purpose in this world 
And we very freely use the word save and salvation. God so loved the world that he came, didn't want the world to perish, wanted us to be saved through Jesus Christ, his only son, saved from our captivity to sin. But that's not the end, is it? That's not the end. There is this salvation of restoring our connection to God, but we're also intended to be transformed and to move out into the world as Jesus moved out into the world in terms of fruitfulness and blessing. I love this phrase by Mother Teresa. She said, I am a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. Isn't that great? I know, it's not the fruit metaphor, but it's the same idea, isn't it? I am God's instrument. I have been saved for this. I have been restored to be God's blessing and to send and to communicate this love letter, this passionate love that God has for the world. This is what the Spirit of Jesus produces, this movement, not only to bless us, but that actually to go beyond that, that we will be a blessing in the world. Many of you have heard me tell this story, I love this story, about a man who at Christmas time, he received from his brother a brand new car. And so he was outside, the car was parked in front, uh, people in the neighborhood were coming by and admiring the car, and there was this one poor street kid who kept walking around the car with his eyes just wide open and his mouth wide open, he was just in awe of this car. And he looked at the man, he said, Mr., how much did this cost? And the man said, nothing. My brother gave it to me. And the little boy just stammered and started, started saying, I wish, I wish. And this man's thinking, I know what he's wishing. I wish I had a brother that would give me a car like that. But instead, the boy said, I wish I could be a brother like that. I know, I love that story. That's the movement of God's spirit in the world. And it was so moving to me after our high school students went down to Mexico for our Mexico mission trip. And they came back and we had our sharing service. And there were several of them sitting up front here being interviewed about how God had been at work uh, in this trip for them. And I asked Bradley's permission to share this. When Bradley was up here, he was one of the ones sharing. And I don't know if you remember this part, but Bradley was sharing about one moving thing that happened was in the neighborhood where they were working and building homes, a home, um, one of the staff came and drove in and got a flat tire. And the man from the community who had no reason to want to do anything for these Americans, you know, that were there, just silently came over with all of his equipment, changed the tire, and went back home. And I remember Bradley saying, I want to be like that. And that was so moving to me. And I told you that day, it was like, that is the spirit of Jesus. That is the purpose. That's where God's taking us and what God intends for us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control. This is who we are in Christ. It's our identity. It's what it looks like when Christ is alive in us. And it's also where Jesus intends us to go and grow. Another way I think this list is helpful for us is in giving us guidance. Back to that chapter where Jesus so focused on this metaphor of fruit, 
He said, those who abide in me bear much fruit. This is how the fruit is grown, not by our efforts. And this is the thing that was so frustrating for Paul when he wrote this letter. The Christians in Galatia were reverting back to thinking that they had to follow the law to be right with God. And somehow they had lost the gospel. And Paul is practically crying out to them, who bewitched you? Who convinced you there was another gospel that you needed to do the works of the law? Totally turning things around and getting things backward. Being versus doing. I think we can understand this on the peninsula. I've heard the peninsula people described so often as achievers. Do any of you relate to that? High achievers. Being precedes doing in our relationship with God, abiding, and you will bear much fruit. Now, we know this is hard for us because even as we look at the charisms and gifts of our preschool, we have this amazing uh, play-based preschool. And it's intuitively very difficult for a lot of people on the peninsula to really lean into play-based formation for children as opposed to academic-based formation that really learning how to be a good friend in an age-appropriate way for children is the best thing for them, the being pre- pre- before the doing. And this is the whole point of Paul's letter. It's the Spirit of Jesus that forms this goodness in our lives. It's not our performance. It's not our achieving. We need to tend to the being I loved hearing a few of the women that are weekly in Bible study here, Women's Connection on Thursday morning, and several of them also are in prayer on Tuesday morning in in a new Lexio Divina group where they're contemplatively dwelling in the Word of God in Jesus Christ. And they talked about how recently they've just felt very moved to reach out to some of the homebound in our church. So now they're getting the list of names of those that are not able to get to church. They're sending cards and letters. And they are very aware that it's coming from this abiding. Abiding in Jesus Christ, you will bear much fruit. Our spiritual formation goal in this church, knowing Jesus so intimately that we become like him. Those fruits are Christ-likeness. It's the intimacy with Jesus that we need to lean into that is not easy for us. And it really, I've seen, most productively has come when people are in some kind of communal way of being in the Word together has really helped them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control. It's who we are, our identity, Christ alive in us, that's what it looks like. It's our purpose. This is what Jesus intends for us, to bear fruit like this that lasts. It's also guidance that this is how we grow this fruit, drawing near to Jesus. And the last thing that I think this list uh, helps us with is encouragement. Now, I say this very intentionally because if you're like me, you look at this list and you think, oh my gosh, I'm none of those things. I feel like a failure. I think of all the things that I'm not on that list. No. I think this list is for the purpose of saying, this is where we're going. This is what God is growing in us. 
two weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday, it was the most unusual Pentecost Sunday I think I've ever had because I wasn't in church. I was with my cousin and some of her friends and my sister, none of whom go to church. Actually, we began those sun that day by watching the wedding that had been recorded the day before, Henry and Megan. Then I asked them if they would watch Gregory Boyle's TED Talk on kinship, and they were game. And for me, Gregory Boyle is the priest who works with gangs down in Southern California who's trying to, it's an intervention program called Homeboy Ministries. He's written several books, and you've heard me talk about him. But that is my favorite message ever, his TED Talk on compassion and kinship. And one of the things I love that he said in there that was so encouraging, his philosophy as he works with these ex-gang members, he said, you don't hold up the bar and ask them to measure up. You basically hold up the mirror of God's loving grace for them and help them to remember who they are as God's beloved, who they were created to be in the beginning, and just help them grow into that. It's just beautiful, his philosophy, and it works. So it's encouraging as we help one another inhabit that truth, become that truth. So it's not a requirement I think a lot of people, when they come to communion, think, I'm not good enough. No, it's not a requirement, this list of fruits. It's a promise of what Jesus has come to do, to remove every block that keeps us from being who we've already been created to be, forming in our lives as we surrender and lean on him these Christ-like graces and fruits, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control. It is who we are. It is why we're here. It does come from the life of Christ abiding in him and Christ abiding in us. And it is a promise. This is where Jesus is taking things. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you for how you love us and how you so effectively have communicated the love that our Creator has for all of us and for this world. Effectively, not only in what you have said, but in what you have done and what your Spirit is doing in your dying, in your rising again, removing every curse, every block, everything that would keep us from living fully in you and you in us. We praise you for who you are, for all these attributes and so many more, and that you have set us free, set us free to become, to be, to live, to bless one another as you have blessed us. We praise you. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen.